Alright, so please take your Bibles today. If you haven't fetched your Bible yet, please pause the video, go get your Bible. And for those of you that already have it, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. That is 1 Peter chapter 2. And, um, yeah, we will start reading there from round about verse 13. Now, folks, it's been a while since I last had the opportunity to preach to you. And it's just a pity that it had to be in this format, really. I would much rather prefer to stand before you in person and see everybody face to face. But, yeah, it looks like that will have to wait for now. But I think before we jump into our text, let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Lord, uh, for giving us such a beautiful day. <clears throat> Lord, thank you that we can sing Though it may not be together, Lord, but that we can sing your praises. Lord, we so look forward to being there with you uh, in heaven and just singing and singing and singing your praises, Lord. Lord, you are truly, truly great. We ask that you will please be with us today. Please um, guide us in this service and in this sermon, Lord, will you please work in our hearts. Please help me, Lord. Show me what to say and... And, and um, Lord, please help me to explain these things uh, so that it is clear. Lord, I realize this is not an easy message. Lord, I realize that um, many questions may arise out of this. But Lord, we want to become more like you. We want to be conformed more and more into your image. Please help us today. Please teach us. And um, Please give us ears to hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, like I said, our text for today comes from 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll start reading there at verse 13. <coughs> the Bible says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, we won't, we won't go through all these verses today, but um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to cover up to verse 15. But this is one of those parts of the Bible that people tend to quickly gloss over. Um, if I say people, I know I'm one of them. <laughs> or perhaps they would rather just ignore it altogether because it's so hard. Now, here Peter is telling his audience to submit to the government that is over them and to submit to all of their ordinances. Now, on the surface of it, it sounds like an easy enough thing to do. I mean, one might even wonder why the Lord even wanted that statement in there. But I think to get an appreciation for that, and to see why this is even applicable to us, we have to consider the situation that the original readers of this epistle found themselves in. You know, this people, these people, were living in a society that was extremely hostile towards them. Even to the point 
of being violently persecuted because of their faith in Christ and how that changed their behavior. You see, the world they lived in really hated the Jews. And since Christianity came out of Judaism, they saw it as merely a, a sect of Judaism, you know, a, a branch of Judaism, which in turn meant that they were hated in the same way as the Jews were hated. So they already start off on, on the wrong foot. And then these people were accused of all sorts of things because of the ignorance of the unbelievers. The Christians were accused of being against Rome and everything that Rome stood for. Now, as you can imagine, the, the Christians wouldn't go to the temples of the Roman gods to worship anymore. And it was such, worshipping these gods was such an integral part of being Roman. So when the Christians stopped doing that after they got saved, the Romans got very suspicious of them. They were accused of being cannibals. Based on the words of Jesus in John chapter 6 and verse 53, where he said, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. They were accused of killing and eating children. They were accused of hating people because they were so opposed to the systems of the world. And then in 64 AD, there was a great fire that, that swept across Rome which destroyed many homes, many shops and religious buildings and so on. And many people lost their lives in that fire. Now, the Rome, or, or the rumors quickly began to spread that the emperor Nero started this fire. And so he needed a scapegoat. And who better to blame than the Christians? I mean, they were already hated by many people. So it would make sense to blame them. It's not, it's not that too far of a jump to believe that the Christians would do such a thing, at least in the minds of these unbelievers. In the minds of the people, the Christians were an evil and malicious group. And just like that, a vicious persecution um, against the Christians began. But as these things go, uh, this persecution spread throughout the entire empire, touching even the parts where these Christians that Peter wrote to wrote this epistle to lived. And so the entire Roman Empire was against them. From the top on the level of the emperor all the way down to the man on the street, they all hated Christians. Now I'm sure there were some uh, exceptions to this, but that was mostly the case. That was the general feeling against the Christians. And so with all of these and even more false accusations against the Christians, Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had to direct these believers on what to do. Now folks, I think it would be interesting to go around and just ask professing believers today what they would have told those believers if they were in Peter's shoes. You know, based on what I hear just in casual conversations with people, I think I can safely assume that most people would say, well, you need to rise up. You need to fight the system, fight the government. <laughs> but that was not Peter's answer to this. Instead, he calls on them to live a good, godly life in this world. Look at verse 11. He starts off by reminding them that they are strangers and pilgrims in this world. Read with me verse 11. 
Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So you see that, strangers and pilgrims, we don't belong to this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Our citizenship has changed. We are now citizens of heaven. I think it's good to be reminded of that every once in a while, because it would seem as if we, and I, I count myself in, we easy, easily get too attached to this place and the things that it offers. You know, we get entangled by the affairs of this life, whether it is work, school, the kids, the grandkids, our sports, our houses, our homes, our holidays, whatever else they may be. Now, those things are not bad in and of themselves, you know, and the Lord does give those things for us to enjoy. So, I, I, I'm, I just want to be clear on that. But the danger is that you start to love those things so much that you almost want to ask the Lord to just wait a little bit longer before He comes back because you want to enjoy those things a little bit more. But folks, we are strangers in this place. We are pilgrims. We are just passing through to our home in heaven. And so Peter says that in light of that, verse 12, that you should have your conversation honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. These people that, that Peter was writing to here um, were being slandered. And they were being called evildoers, as he saw there in verse 12. That's because all of those false accusations that the Romans made against them. Folks, the world's attitude towards God has, has not changed. Even, even throughout all this time, it has not changed. They still hate Him and they still hate His people. Now, the ways they express it might have changed a little. And they may be a little bit more uh, tolerant uh, of it right now, more than before. But the world still hates righteousness. The darkness still hates the light. That has never changed. So, what should we do about that? Should we go into lockdown mode and, and isolate ourselves from the world? Well, that won't help much, would it? I mean, how would we be able to bring people to Christ if we were to hide our light under a bushel? So, okay, that's, that's not a good plan. No, no, we may not be of this world, but we are definitely in this world. And while we are, we should be living good, godly, honest lives. So that despite all the mocking and the hostility and, and false accusations and hatred, we may still be able to turn people to Christ when they see um, how God has transformed our lives. Folks, we need to keep a good testimony among the people of this world. The world is not able to look at our heart and soul like God does. They can only see the way that we behave ourselves. That's it. And so, 
We should live and walk honestly in this world and do the right thing even when it is not convenient to do so. So that even if, if the world brings all sorts of uh, false accusations against you and speak against you as an evildoer, as they do and, and as they will if they're not yet, they will see the good things you do and they will glorify God because of that in the day that they stand in front of Him. But it seems to me as if many Christians just don't care about their testimonies anymore. It's as if many believers think that whatever they do, well, it's their business and you better stay out of it, even if their behavior is sinful. Now, I'm not hurting anybody with, with what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, whenever they are confronted or, or placed under conviction about their behavior, they simply cry, well, God knows my heart, and they think that's the end of it. I think that's, that's the start of your problems, is that, well, God does know your heart. And He knows everything you do. You know, I thought about this a few months ago when, when I received a video of a man talking about an ongoing issue in this country. Now, I don't want to focus on that issue today, so I won't mention what it is, because I think it will distract us. But this man on this video was very angry, and I believe rightly so. And he used, call it, colorful language in this video, if you know what I mean. And at the end of the video, he, he said something of the effect. Now, I can just hear all you uptight Christians chastising me already, saying that I shouldn't swear like this. But let me tell you, swearing is not an issue of salvation, so just get off my back. You've probably also heard people say things like that, and... Perhaps, God forbid, you've said something like that. And sure, it's not an issue of salvation. He's right on that. Did you know that you can't lose your salvation if you swear a lot? Okay, you can't. The Bible is very clear on this. If you are saved, nothing can take your salvation away. But that doesn't mean that we can just continue sinning. You know, that guy in that video knew that he was sinning. And he couldn't care less. Sure, it's not an issue of salvation, but it definitely affects his testimony. I mean, I was surprised to, that he even brought the issue of salvation up. I really didn't expect him to claim to be saved. You know, our testimony as believers, folks, is of the utmost importance. We are God's representatives here on earth, and so we should care about our testimonies. Not so that we can please men, but rather so that we can please the one who bought us. And so that we can bring more sinners to Christ. Folks, your testimony can either be a help or a hindrance to the cause of Christ. And so that is the context in, in which Peter wrote verses 13 to 17. Keeping a good testimony, even when it is hard to do so. He actually says more about that in the rest of this epistle, but, but for today, we, we'll only look at a few verses on this, like I said before. Um, look at verse 13. He says there, submit yourselves. Let's just stop there. 
submit yourselves. Now to submit yourself means to put yourself in subjection to some other authority. So it immediately uh, implies that there is some sort of hierarchy there with some people higher up than others. Now, if that verse stopped there, I, I think most people would be happy with it. I mean, sure, we should submit to God. We don't have any problem with that, now do we? At least on a, on a theological level, whether you practically submit to God is a different matter altogether. But look at what Peter says after that. He says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. So really? Every ordinance of man. Yeah, yeah, it says it. There it is. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. That's I checked, alright? That's exactly what it says in the original Greek. But how does that work? Didn't we just see there in verse 11 that we are strangers and pilgrims in this world, that, that we are not citizens of this place, but rather of heaven? Yeah, we did. In fact, Philippians uh, chapter 3 and verse 20 um, says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So yes, that is where our citizenship lies. But folks, don't get too carried away with that and, and think that, that none of the rules and laws of this world applies to you. We have been placed under the world's civil law and authority. Let's read verse 13 again. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. You see, the fact that you are a citizen of heaven does not mean that you can just disregard the, the ordinance or institutions of this world. Even though we might think that we are somehow above the system of this world, we need to learn to live within it. Now I can just hear you say, but our government is corrupt. They are overreaching and they are intruding into our freedoms. They want to take our land and, and property that is not theirs. They want to tell me how I should raise my child. They steal the taxpayers' money to enrich themselves. They, they order us to wear these masks in public and have all sorts of regulations with this COVID-19 pandemic that just does not make sense. And, and that's how many people feel. Not only in our country, but all over the world. So how is the Christian supposed to react to it? Now, I already sketched to you the, the picture of the government that the believers that Peter was originally writing to lived under. Uh, according to the Roman historian Tacitus, after Nero blamed the Christians of setting fire to the city of Rome, he punished them. Uh, and I quote from Tacitus, he says, he punished them with the most fearful tortures. Tacitus tells us that, that Nero had those that confessed to be Christians arrested, and then he made them give up information about their brothers and sisters. And in that way, a vast multitude of people were convicted. And their charge? Well, not really about burning down the city, which they didn't do, by the way, but that, that was a charge. But their main charge was that they hated the human race. These people 
were hated. They were hunted down. They were tortured. And they were killed based on false accusations. Based on the ignorance of men. Don't you think that it crossed the mind of some of those believers to do something about their problem? Perhaps to stage a rebellion or, or, or do something and fight back? I mean, that's exactly what the natural man wants to do, isn't it? And then the Apostle Peter writes to them to tell them how a Christian is supposed to react. <clears throat> and he tells them to submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. But why? Why should we, Peter... And then the answer comes there in, in verse 13. He says, do it for the Lord's sake. For the sake of His glory and honor. Not because you are scared of them, but rather because you fear the Lord. You see, Romans 13 uh, teaches us about these things. And, and there in verse 1, it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. It is God that arranged everything so that we have men in positions of authority above us. Yes, many of them are lost. Yes, many of them are selfish and evil and corrupt and the list just goes on and on. And they will be judged for their deeds just like any other sinner will. We know that God is no respecter of persons. But... While we are down here in this world and they are in those governmental positions over us, we should submit ourselves to their ordinances for the Lord's sake. That's how He wants us to live. He doesn't want us to be rebels. Instead, He wants us to live in peace within this society. And the way to do that is to submit. To obey the laws of the land and to work to bring people to Christ. Because that's the real aim, isn't it? To bring them in. Look at verse 15. He says, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to, to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Uh, it's God's will that we should submit ourselves to those ordinances and obey so that our good works can silence the ignorance of those foolish men that falsely accuse us of all sorts of things. Folks, the world is just waiting for the next big Christian scandal. I mean, have you noticed that? I mean, I've noticed, um, since I started looking for that, that there's a specific newspaper in our country that just can't wait to put the next big uh, criticism or scandal in the Christian community on their front page. Now, to be fair, it's not just them. You know, there are many news outlets that love to do that. And it's not just the news media either. There are many people that are set against the Christian faith who are just looking for reasons to shake their heads, to criticize, to mock us, to slander. I mean, how many times have you read or heard about, uh, for instance, pastors not paying their taxes or committing some sort of crime? Now, that's a disgrace. It's an embarrassment. But if we submit to their ordinances, folks, there won't be anything to condemn. They will see our good works and that will silence their false accusations. 
Sure, they may still mock and slander us, but let them do that because of our faith, rather than because of our bad testimony. That is how God wants us to silence them. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? You know, verse 21 uh, in the same chapter tells us that Jesus left us an example that we should follow. And then in verse 23, he says there, uh, look at that verse with me. 1 Peter 2 verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Uh, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. When Jesus was here on earth, he was persecuted and murdered by two main authorities. It was the Roman government on the one hand, and of course the Jewish leaders on the other hand, and they, they worked together to get this done. Now the Jewish leaders especially hated him. Yeah, but he never led the people into a rebellion against them. He never attacked them. They treated him unjustly in his trial, if you could call it a trial, but he never threatened them. Even while on the cross, he prayed for his enemies. He didn't threaten them, he didn't insult them. Instead, he entrusted himself to God, knowing that God will do what is right. Doesn't he always? And you know what happened in the end? There were at least two men that looked at the way that Jesus took all of these false accusations, the slander, the mockery, the, the punishment of the crucifixion, and they came to faith in Christ. You know, the one man was, was the man crucified next to Christ, and he came to repentance. And when Jesus died, even a centurion with some other men there with him, realized after watching all of these things happen, they realized that He is the Son of God. They were silenced by what they saw. By how Jesus went through all of it. What a great example. What a great testimony. Now, of course, there are many questions <laughs> that come up when talking about submitting to the ordinances of the government and, and other authorities above us. Such as, well, what if the authorities institute an ordinance that goes against what God commands us to do? What if, for instance, they tell us that we are not allowed to preach the gospel anymore? You can say anything else, but just don't preach the gospel. <laughs> then, Otherwise you'll get some sort of punishment. You know, that's what they did to Peter and the other apostles. If you remember back there in, in Acts chapter 5... You know, when they were brought in before the council and the high priest asked them why they kept on preaching about Jesus, even though they commanded them not to do so. And the apostles answered them this. Uh, you can find this in Acts chapter 5 verse 29. They said, we ought to obey God rather than men. That's simple, isn't it? If the authorities require us to stop doing something that the Lord commanded us to do, well then you obey the Lord rather than them. And that does mean taking the consequences that come with that decision. The apostles had to. You know, after they gave that answer to the council, they were still beaten before they were let go. 
But if you look uh, there in Acts chapter 5 and verse 40, after all of this happened, after they were beaten, after they were let go, they rejoiced <laughs> because they, they, count, they were counted worthy to suffer sh uh, shame in the name of Jesus. <laughs> or for the name of Jesus, rather. You know, and then they went right back to preaching the gospel. Amazing. That's just an amazing testimony again. Why is that? Why, why, why did it, do they just continue? And um, why does it work that way? Well, because this place is not our home. And there, there is more at stake than just our own comfort or ideals. Folks, we are God's representatives here on earth. And everything we do gets scrutinized by the world. And so if we say that we serve God and we want to obey Him, they are going to point out the times that we don't. So let's not give them reason to slander the Lord Jesus. Let's be mindful of what we do and keep a good godly testimony. There's so much more to say about this. Uh, unfortunately, time does not permit that today. You've, you've been seeing me glancing at the clock there. But, but perhaps I can continue this someday in the future, hopefully. Uh, but for now, we'll end it. But I hope that this has at least pricked some of your hearts and has made you think about your own role in society and, and what you are doing currently. Last week, we, learned, we heard about the work must go on. Folks, it, it is true. This world is not our home, but let's be careful to rather bring people to Christ than being a bad citizen and a rebel just like the world. And in that way, having a bad testimony and actually moving people away from Christ. There should be a difference between us and the world. But if they don't see a difference, well, you're going to find it hard to actually witness the truth to them. Because they're going to point out, well, it looks like you don't really believe it, do you? Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, Lord, uh, uh, this is really a hard, a hard thing, a hard saying. <laughs> it's difficult to take in. It's, it's difficult to think about simply because of all the, the sinful behavior in this world. But Lord, you've said it more than once in your word that we should submit to these ordinances and these authorities, Lord, that, that you put in place. You put the system in place, Lord. And so we want to honor you. And so, Lord, I want to ask you to please work in our hearts. Help us to be mindful of how we act in this world. Lord, change our hearts because, as you said, we, the change should begin on the inside and then work out. Please change our hearts about these things. Lord, please help us to be um, good citizens with good testimonies. And Lord, please don't let it stop there. Help us to go out and to make a difference in this world by preaching your word. Lord, by bringing people in.
Father, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, Lord, I, I, I want to thank you for your word. Lord, that sometimes we can read stuff in here that sounds simple and easy to implement. Other things are not as easy, but they're still simple. <laughs> this is a, a simple word, but it's very hard. Please help us today, Lord, and, and please be with us throughout this day. Help us to glorify your name, Lord. And um, please keep us safe until the next service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening today and, and for joining in. And please remember about our service tonight at 6 o'clock. Hope you have a good day. Bye-bye.